NFTs, the future, it's here. But what if we told you that you haven't been told the whole truth? The game is about to change. The voice of the people and the voice of the NFT community collide, bringing you a fresh perspective on NFTs unlike anything you've ever heard before. Hop on this rocket ship with Sean and Vaughn to the moon and hold on tight. Hello and welcome. It is that time again. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever you're listening to this show. All I know is it's episode 24 and man, it's no time to play around. We're not playing games anymore if you catch what i'm putting out here we're gonna be talking about games in the nft space we're gonna be talking about whether they're gonna be around long term and which ones to look at along with so many other things that have happened in the last week in the nft space before we get started i want to introduce my partner in crime he's the batman to my robin some days the robin to my batman most days the batman to my robin uh you can follow him on twitter at steven underscore shill uh, it is so good to be on here, as always, with you talking about the NFT space. How was your last week? How was Thanksgiving? You're you're not you. It's it's a totally different vibe. You're in Canada. It really wasn't. Oh, Canada. Yeah. No, it's crazy because like I guess I kind of forgot how big of a holiday it was in the states because like everybody was talking about it, posting photos. And I mean, I guess it's the same thing when it's uh, Thanksgiving here in Canada too. But I hope you guys all enjoyed uh, your gatherings with your family, friends, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I mean, did you do anything crazy for it? No. Yeah. Well, you know, I say that a little bit. We. So as you know, because of COVID, we've been playing it super, super safe because of our own family situations and kind of scenarios over here. We spent Thanksgiving with 17 relatives all sitting in very close quarters at a Thanksgiving table, bumping shoulders. And it was it was an experience for me, you know, just being in in kind of that environment again, because we have been because of everything that happened with our daughter, playing it really safe for a long time uh, since COVID, COVID started. So it was, you know, in a weird way, it was a, a very different experience. It was awesome, though, man. It was so much fun. Uh, Jenna's, uh, her, her cousins um, flew down from Seattle, uh, and they spent time with our daughters, so our, our two-year-old and our five-year-old. And, like, I totally had that, like, proud dad moment because – they do something super cool at the Thanksgiving table every single year. So the head of the household stands up at the end of the table and says, it's that time again where we go around the Thanksgiving table and say things that we're thankful for. Like every single person then goes around like in a circle, stands up and says what they're thankful for for the last year. So of course, like one of the things I said was I'm thankful for launching our NFT and for you know, building out and getting into the NFT space and, and everything else. And like talked about, obviously, thankful for good health and family and blah, blah, blah. But it was like that proud dad moment because Kiara, our oldest, obviously, Kinsley, she's two years old. She can't even really say like 10 words, 20 words. She couldn't say anything. But Kiara, for the first time, it came to her. And I was like, how is she going to handle this? You know what I mean? Like, is she going to be comfortable talking in front of the whole family? Like, you know, talking about what she said. Bro, she got up there like Al Pacino and gave like, dude, her speech was crazy. It was like one of those drop the mic moments. She's like, I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for for our ability to be here celebrating Thanksgiving together with our family. I'm th- and I'm like just in awe and like, dude, like low key, 
the other kids. They're eight years old and nine years old. I really hope, Simon and Stella, you're not listening to this, but like, she did better than the eight, nine-year-old, man. It was like a crazy speech. And everybody at the table just lost their minds. They were like clapping, like freaking out. And it was like, yeah, man, I was super, super proud of proud of my girl. You know, it was a cool moment. Well, good. No, I love that. And I, you know, it, it's weird because as you get older, or at least in my situation, like I don't, we don't really, you know, get together and do the, you know, hey, thanks thing. But I remember yep. doing that as a kid for sure. And it, it's interesting the memories that you get from way back then, um, or at least the ones that you remember. Because I, I said that I think that I was thankful for electricity one year, and I don't remember anything else for that. But like, I mean, talk, talking about impressive kids, yo, maybe maybe we gotta no, put them into like, baby. are you smarter than a fifth grader type deal and see 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 how she does. Yo, you said that you. I can only imagine you're at the dinner table and you stand up and just say, "I'm thankful for electricity, baby. I'm thankful for electricity. Let's go." Oh, um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so listen, the, the thing that we're going to start off here is talking a little bit about the kind of clones that have come out for uh, the Wolf game. And I think that everybody is still looking to chase whatever's new. And I think that, you know, to an extent that's good, but we're still seeing that Wolf game is doing well. We don't know when things are going to come out, but as the fact that it is December 1st, uh, we know that in 2022, the game is going to be coming out and the land parcels are going to be kind of like delivered before like the full launch of the game. And again, those are supposed to be different sizes. But I think the interesting thing here is that it feels like Wolf Game has kind of gone into the shadows and developed where all this other stuff has kind of come out and yeah. people have kind of jumped to it. And some of it's been decent. Some of it's been not so decent. Some quick games to come to mind, if you guys haven't heard of it, is Bear Game. If you are trying to find them on Twitter, it's at uh, Bear Eats Salmon. And then for Fox Game, that's another one. And it's at Official Fox Game for that. But when we go down the line, there's even more than that. There's another one coming out called wizards and dragons game and it's just it's kind of wild that there's legitimately so many of these and i didn't realize and i think we kind of talked about it last week about like how many clones were going to come out but then like how many clones are going to come out and then not fix the different glitches that happened in wolf game yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> i mean that's that's definitely one thing i got i've been getting messages nonstop since i i changed my my profile picture to the wolf and like everybody is just telling me like acting like they're a pro right like yo sean you need to get out yo sean buy 10 wolves yo sean like all this different piece of advice or like you need to jump into this game you need to jump into this game and somebody shared something with me that was kind of interesting the other day and, and shared with me the gold hunt game have you like are you familiar with the gold hunt oh, game? i've never heard of it i mean <laughs> i'm yeah. interested though but i mean like listen that's the kind of the world that we're living in right is like there's a billion different games and they messaged to me and they said you know just released yesterday whatever the case may be um talked about miners and sheep and wolves and pirates uh but they they said the miners are kicking out about 100 to 150 dollars a day in gold which was interesting um, but the most interesting point that was brought to my attention was this was the Wolf Game clone and they fixed the issue that they had. And I think like that's the advert. Like I'm, I didn't buy in to the Gold Hunt game. Like I'm not I'm not saying like I bought into any other game. And frankly, right now I'm only pot committed to the Wolf Game. But I think it's such a good conversation because it's like all these other projects are trying to advertise themselves as I fixed the glitch that happened in the Wolf Game or 
I didn't fix the glitch and I'm just a clone, an exact clone of the game itself. And we're still seeing those projects selling out and building a lot of hype and momentum around them. At what point do we see the Wolf game just kind of separate themselves from the pack, the proverbial pack there? I guess the literal pack too. Do you think it's going to be like a moment? I mean, I'm sure once the game rolls out, once we see a lot of action happening in 2022 and you start seeing a lot of developments or maybe you see other games come along that just are more highly successful um, than the Wolf game. Do you think like that, that blue chip aspect of being kind of the first to market is going to hold and, and set the precedent for the game? Or do you think somebody else could come along and just do a better job? Well, I think there's some other kind of like variants of it, right? Like we talked with Ether Orcs last week and a lot of people kind of called them like the OGs in the space for kind of like what they're doing with that. And I think that there's, you know, room for everyone with it. But like within that category, I would say, hey, like Ether Orcs is solidified as something that maybe not be viewed as a view chip in terms of like astronomical gains or anything like that for some of these things like CryptoPunks and BAYC. But within their respective category, I think Ether Orcs is there and I think Wolf Game is going to be there. And I don't know what's going to happen with some of these other ones. Yeah, those all these other images. Like, do you think it's a short term play? Like, it's a it's a fun thing to talk about, right? Is like there is a lot of hype. Like, it's the it's the talk of the town. Everybody wants to be involved in all of these different games. Is it worth the day trade? Is it worth the quick flip? Or do you do you think that like you're not financial advice, but your investing advice would be just stay away from basically any any of these these copycat projects outside of the the main stage well it's a risk but i mean sometimes it pays off so for like bear game right now the floor is 0.045 for the fisherman and for the bear they're 0.28 and then for fox game the floor is pretty much double that at 0.084 and for the foxes, which are essentially the wolves of that game, they're seeding at 0.5. So again, it, it's minuscule differences across the board. And I think that Fox game has a relatively uh, good rap about it, but I just like don't see it on social media. It doesn't have that presence. And I think within NFTs, yeah. and we talked about it, I, I think like even last week, it's like, you know, having that presence, it's circulating on Twitter. These things have that kind of hype at launch, but then it falls off really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's you're you're gonna see a lot of these projects kind of coming come and go, right? And and at least for me, my investment strategy at this point, like where I'm at, is I want to invest in projects that I can hold for a long time and not not just be looking for the quick flip. But everybody's strategy is completely different. So, you know, maybe it's worth rolling the dice and and taking a risk on it. Uh, I do want to talk about some of the other projects that we have happening in this space. What other crazy things happened in the last Okay, so CloneX. Yo, you guys have been hearing about it. And Sean, you were right. Oh, God, I hate that you were right. I mean, like, I love that you're right. But you gave it like a rating out of five last week. And I was like, man, they're an extremely well-respected project in the space i mean i think like visually if you're giving it a five out of ten just for the visuals uh, hey we're vibing i agree i wasn't a huge fan i when in new york for nft nyc they had like one of the biggest billboards and obviously like it's not up all the time but when it flashed i was like i don't know like i i, I don't know how much i'm really vibing kind of like with them and there was some kind of drama that happened with it. So obviously it's a super hyped up mint. They have like 151,000 Twitter followers and it's like actually genuine followers. 
And the website, I guess, was getting attacked. It was unstable. There was a, the Discord went down, and they were saying that it was like Telegram trolls that were doing it, which I thought was like kind of weird f- way of phrasing things for a company of this magnitude. Um, and it, the way they had it set up for the mint was that it was a Dutch auction starting at three ETH, and I, it was going down to I, I don't know what. Um, but all this stuff started happening. And even before that happened, the floor on OpenSea was going lower than the mint price on Artifact. So everyone was kind of like fudding it in a way. And then the site and everything kind of went down like, hey, we're going to like relaunch it tomorrow. And then so the following day happens and they relaunch it. And instead of having that Dutch auction where the price can go lower, they're like, we're setting the price at two ETH. Good luck. Have fun, essentially. And so it ends up selling out and then they start making comments about like sold out. What's good fudders. And it's like, bro, there's people that bought above two ETH because they had conviction within the project. And then there's things that happen. You come out and you change it and say, hey, we're just straight up charging two ETH for it, which is absolutely the highest thing we've like ever had kind of like in the space, because generally speaking for these 10K projects, it's that Dutch auction at most. Right. And I think that if the community decides, hey, we're going to buy this out at like 2.5, that's cool. But it rubbed people really the wrong way when it's like that's kind of like how it went for the Dutch auction. And then for the people that bought the artifact items, this is such a complex friggin' story. So if you wanted to mint one of these things and have the pre-sale access, you had to buy one of the NFTs from their collection previously. So whether that was the Medici second edition, they did like a partnership with them. So you were able to mint one from that. Or if you had kind of uh, like a shoe drop or some of the other NFTs they've dropped, the retail on those ones before this drop were like 12 to 15 ETH per. So people went like super overboard to be able to get in on these premiums for that. And it's just, I don't know. There's a whole lot of stuff. I think that it was kind of gross how they responded to things. It's supposed to be a top studio. A lot of people are saying that they're never going to touch anything they do in the future. Obviously, that kind of lasts until they do something that's really cool that people want. But I think it was just kind of like a really weird situation and like highlights. Hey, like even though people just got like, you know, (laughs) several million dollars, they still have a certain attitude about them. Yeah, 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 definitely not. I mean, that's not acceptable for anybody just to like, why Why would you rub that in someone's face? Like, hey, uh, how about this? We just sold out people that were doubting the project. Like, there's just no need for that, right? Like, there's a certain level of professionalism. And I think that's should have been exuded from a company of this standard, right? Like, you would assume that this is a gigantic company that wouldn't make piss poor decisions like that but that was a piss poor fucking decision to be honest with you uh, and i don't think that there's really any other way to skin the cat that that's not a good look for for anybody that's associated with it so i'm trying to understand i guess a little bit more about it and i know that we talked about it last week but i'm assuming these that i'm looking at so we're looking at the the actual vial um on OpenSea is what i clicked on and and this is the floor right now at the time of recording is 2.38 which is you know, like you said, above above where the price was whenever they they rolled these out. Is there what what do we do with these vials? What's the actual like story behind uh, the vials themselves? 
I think it's just kind of like the redemption card. Um, I haven't looked into it too, too deeply. And so it could be something that's else. But I think it's just kind of like they're uh, showing of like what it is before. Or you have to use a vial to redeem a clone X, which would be kind of like the same thing as like board apes, how you have to use the serum to get the, you know, mutant ape, which obviously you're not looking for a mutant clone, but just using the using the serum to get one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting. Um, kind of like just the pre-reveal, you know, placeholder, so to say here, uh, for them. So I don't know. I would say again, decision-wise, decision making, very, very concerning with how they handled everything. My my stance obviously isn't gonna change knowing that they the execution was poor after I gave them a five ranking. I think I bumped them up to a six on last week's episode. I think we're, I mean, not on the the right upward trend here. I think we're trending downwards. I will say, looking at the activity on OpenSea, this is still a collection that is super sought after. I think there's been, just in the last, again, at the time of recording this, there's been like 24, 25 purchases in the last hour um, for the collection itself. So for whatever reason people are still buying into this but. yeah no i mean i think i think that like you know in time they can end up producing different stuff but i think like morally how they've communicated some of the stuff it's affected mindsets of certain people but again i think like in terms of quality of what they're doing it's still one of the top studios in the space so i made a super for sure, for shitty sure. call kind of somewhat ah, yeah we'll say it's we'll say it's shitty right now but i think that there is still potential here is the baby toads so if you guys know cryptodes they uh came out a while back and their floor i think went like all the way up to eight eth we had like some absolutely crazy sales from people and then uh it's kind of come back down and i still think it's above like 2.5 uh eth floor or even into the three eth which you know is pretty strong and we've seen multiple different derivatives from these cryptodes in the past like creature toads uh and uh I think there's a couple other ones, but I'm forgetting what they are off the top of my head. And they've all been wildly successful. So there was a project that came out and said, hey, we're doing like baby toads and just, you know, baby versions of the bigger toads because, you know, like kind of the IP is all like open source or whatever. So it doesn't like there's not the issues where there was in like crypto funks or for some people that kind of were like, hey, for this Wicked Ape Bone Club, these are all the exact same assets in Board Ape Yacht Club. Like, I don't think there's a proof for this so it was like okay these ones are totally fine we've seen derivatives from them before they've all done great john they did they barely sold bro i bought like 20 of them they have 381 minted out of 69 69 it's something where like my thought process was again the stuff's done well previously so this you know that probably is going to do well too and they only have like 2k twitter followers i'm like this feels like something that's incredibly early and i think it's still in the stage of like the right people taking notice of it can end up moving it because the price point for it i think is like 0.042 or something so it's relatively reasonable when you're looking at the grand scale of things and some of the ones of ones they have are really cool but it's interesting that number one i was wrong or you know later on this week we relook at this somebody's tweeted about it brought it to people's attention and it potentially could take off because i mean obviously 381 sales aren't great but i don't like the notion that a project is completely dead just because they don't sell out within a few hours so are they directly affiliated with cryptodes no not at all no but just it's kind of the same look but just as a baby 
Yeah. And I think that that's like the talking point, right? Like if cryptodes were to roll out the baby version, it would sell out instantly because it was under the same umbrella. But because this is, you know, perceived as a copy or whatever the case may be, or or maybe, you know, like we've talked about prior, like people are just burnt out of these different, different projects that are popping up left and right, which I know we're going to talk about the climate um, of the space here in a little bit and talking about, you know, the fact that maybe we're going to see this resurgence of all of these new projects that are coming up. Um, but maybe it's just a combination of fatigue and just, I don't really want to get into another PFP project that doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones. I don't know. Or like you said, this could wind up being a really good call in retrospect. It only takes one tweet, right? Like Gary V tweets about it all of a sudden. Gary, pump the toads. Thanks, bud. (laughs) (laughs) We need something. Um, But I think think it really just kind of points to where we're at, right? In the NFT space. And like we as a community can move projects so heavily. Um, And if if a project isn't, it only has 2,000 followers on Twitter and you just don't see a lot of people that are interested, it's you know, it's hard to build that excitement, right? It's hard to um, it's hard to create any sort of movement uh, for the NFT itself. So I don't know. I mean, listen, I was never big on crypto, and so it's gonna be <laughs> it's, it's gonna be hard for me to get big on this either. Uh, you told me in a minute, so I did. So like, regardless, it is what it is. These are these are fun projects. It's a fun dart throw, but I wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, listen. Don't worry. I got a bag of it. I got twenty. I'll let you know how it does, but. <laughs> I'm glad you got one and we can experience the journey together. I was totally about to say I wouldn't buy 20 of these. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, eh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we might have already done that. We might have already done that. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. I'm personally, I think it could be it could be perceived as just another PFP project. And like any time that it's a good talking point, but like any time that a project gets that perception by the general public, I, I think it's kind of hard to move the the needle. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we'll kind of see because I think that you know the people that have cryptodes and everything, like we'll we'll find yeah. out. And I think that it's good. Uh, kind of viewpoint because over the past week we've seen instant sellouts for everything that has these play to earn. Uh, kind of mechanics, even though it's like literally just this, you know, generating yield. Uh, Swampverse is another example yeah. of that, where you get like uh, the Croak token or whatever from it. Uh, and I mean, these other games. So it's interesting, like maybe there is going to be a huge halt for anything that's not involving some kind of token. Right. And I think like I'm also nervous about these tokens just because it's like, you know, if there is regulation, if there is anything else, half of these ones I think aren't done in the right way. Um, and so we're kind of all just taking a crapshoot and it's it's potentially a matter of time until it's like, okay, for everything that's like actual junk in the space, it, it's there's literally not going to be kind of any value to it. Um, but, but with that said, one thing that I just want to touch on for everyone here is the uh, yesterday OpenSea had a glitch in the morning and I almost fainted because I thought my entire wallet had been wiped. Uh, even though I looked and I was like, okay, so I still have ETH in there, but like all the assets aren't showing up. And then I realized that OpenSea was having an issue. And there was a lot of people saying, Oh my God, I got like completely hacked of everything. I have no idea what went on. I haven't put my seed phrase anyway. I haven't clicked any links that I know of, et cetera, et cetera. 
And while this is something that I think luckily was just a issue with OpenSea that we're all very used to using, it's another reminder that we need to be super careful with our security. And again, if you have really valuable assets, looking at a hardware wallet is something you should do. Again, there's Trezor or Ledger. Those are kind of two of the most popular brands with other ones kind of coming out, uh, you know, as we progress within this space. And I mean, for me, I still need to move some of my like biggest assets over. I, you know, I I have like my most valuable in my opinion in that hardware wallet and then i'm selling some other bigger ones through like my hot wallet just because you don't want to you know do sales and have interactions too too much with your hardware wallet just in case something happens but with that said, just a friendly reminder about being careful. Whenever you join a new Discord and a launch is about to happen, be prepared for your DMs to absolutely be hit by a truck of different ones saying, hey, Minting's live. Hey, you've made the whitelist. Hey, there's this going on. Hey, there's an update of this. And all of them are going to provide links. A lot of them are going to look legit, but almost 10 times out of 10, it's going to be a scam link. So just be aware of that. Be smart and be careful because, again, your crypto assets are at risk and we don't have have, you know, the insurance, the safeguarding of the traditional world within the space right now. Yeah, and it's a good reminder too, when you join these discords, it's pretty easy to be able to turn off those notifications so that those messages don't just come flooding in uh to your um to to your uh to your to your inbox there on Discord. I, I I get the messages all the time and that's because I'm a boomer and I, I sometimes take too long to be able to turn those notifications off. And just from joining different discords, I could see how it'd be easy to just misclick uh, and to click on a button. I will say, you know, what's not difficult. I'll tell you one thing that's not difficult, Vaughn. Here's one thing that's not heading over to our sponsors, Nifted's website and checking them out and seeing all of the amazing things that they have going on. Uh, Nifted, for those that don't know, the official sponsor here of the Shots of the Moon podcast. The team over there works extremely hard to be able to present your NFTs, your non-fungible tokens, into something that is fungible. Something that you can put on your desk, on your wall, and you can watch it and look at it and display it proudly wherever you want to. Uh, I would highly, highly advise you checking them out. Vaughn, uh, Nifted, it's the place to be. <laughs> we're vibing with it. It's gonna, Listen, we're getting to the holiday seasons. It sounds like it's a perfect gift. Brought it up before. Listen, last year, I totally forgot that it was Christmas. Like, I mean, like, I knew that it was, but, like, I didn't buy any gifts. So I was, like, the person, like, two days before, like, ah, shit. I can't order anything because nothing's going to show up quick enough. I got to go to the friggin' mall. The malls don't have anything good. It was an absolute friggin' oh, nightmare. Yeah. So a reminder, if you're listening, Listening right now, get your presents for the holidays all sorted out early, and maybe, just maybe, that includes a nifted display. All right, we got to move on. We got to talk about stuff. It's not pretty, and it continues to get rougher and rougher by the friggin' day. Open Seas perception keeps going to shit. However, I have to say, like, I don't know what the hell a competitor looks like. The show you marketplace came out the other week and it was like literally a virtual gallery where you sat there and it was literally just looking at different pieces. There wasn't like these kind of like crazy sales or anything. The hype just wasn't there. The sushi token itself has been just kind of going consistently down. We're like, okay, we're looking at Coinbase. I'm still waiting for Musee to kind of pop off and do stuff. That was one of my NFT marketplaces. Uh, bets a while back. Currently, that's not looking too great just because there's not been a whole lot on that front, at least that we've seen. 
Does Coinbase actually dethrone OpenSea? Is there a way that OpenSea can fix this? I don't know how you run a company that needs so many people and probably has extensive onboarding. They have the issues with, you know, the insider trading before. Like, I I, I don't know how you're supposed to run OpenSea. Everybody's set up with this. Like, they got into a spot where it almost feels like a top shot, where it kind of blew up. And now they're like, oh, shit, we got to hire the right people, do this and that. And I think, like, over time, it's going to get fixed. But, like, what do you do in the meantime when you're having all these different issues? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, that's, uh, first of all, it's it's a good problem to have. It's a very natural problem, too, because, like, everybody, it's it's where everybody uses and trades NFTs, right? Like, there's nobody that owns an NFT that isn't familiar with OpenSea, and because of that, the demand on, on and pressure on them to perform at a high level is crazy, right? So, you know, all eyeballs are on them. Everybody's going to be hypercritical. And, yes, there's definitely ways that they can improve, but, you know, at this point, there's no close competitor, right? Like, there's nobody, I think, in the same stratosphere as OpenSea. And, like, as they continue to build out, as they continue to to grow and add on to everything, I don't know if there will be. Like, I know everybody loves to talk about Coinbase. And everybody loves to talk about all of the new different marketplaces that are going to pop up. I mean, maybe it's a hot take. Maybe it's a cold take. It's a take regardless. I think OpenSea could just wind up being the staple forever, right? Like this, we we always like to look at the new shiny object, but if they can fix everything, which that's a big if, if they can make sure that everything is, is where it needs to be, I could definitely see OpenSea being the play forever and, and not really having... All of these other marketplaces that we just assume are going to take over and be the top dog, I could see that just never happening and OpenSea remaining on top. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, what does it look like, right? Like when you when you set the precedent the way that it has, and even if let's say that somebody was going to come in, everyone's clamoring about doing some kind of like airdrop, right? Like the whole ENS token, et cetera. I think that if OpenSea ever slips up and they actually start losing any of its user base, if they dropped something like that, sheesh, everyone would come running back. Everyone yeah. would be coming and running back. So there's really not like kind of a lose lose situation whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but excited to kind of see what those competitors look like, right? Like I think as NFT collectors, it's exciting to see what potentially else is out there because we're not seeing Rarible really do anything to attract that crowd. So again, it leaves the gate wide open. Coinbase have the issues of hey. Are they going to be gatekeepers of it? We don't really know. Listen, I want to end things here with a little bit of potential alpha. All right. We've seen over the past little bit, Pixel Vault specifically for the Punks comic, for the Metahero universe, even for those planets. Everybody's like, ah, bro, everybody's getting these Jupiter things. They're not going to be worth anything. They're like a floor of over 0.1 ETH right now. You ended up getting free if you minted some planets. So Pixel Vault, sure, it's got some big names attached to it, but the game isn't even close to being launched or even halfway developed. Knowing that, we need to start looking at other games that have been being worked on for a while that has potential to come out and really make mad waves. And my call for that is Guild of Guardians. 
If you've never heard of Guild of Guardians before, it's built on Immutable X, which is its own layer two scaling solution for Ethereum. It has Gods Unchained and a lot of other projects on it. And I think that it's going to continue to keep growing and growing with their base. The team is based out of Australia and they've been working on this for quite some time. I interviewed Derek way, way back in the day on my Twitch stream, and I'll actually see if we can get somebody here for the podcast in uh, the next coming weeks. But I want to say, hey, you guys need to look at this stuff, because if we've seen the volume that's happened for Pixel Vault, when Guild of Guardians comes out, it's a mobile dungeon crawler game. There's guilds yeah. involved. There's crafting involved. There's pets. There's a whole everything you want to have in the fantasy world. They're having their own coin. And best of all, it's a play to earn model. And I think there is some serious chance that everything within this ecosystem goes completely parabolic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a really, really sharp play. And and you, I think the best point that you made there is talking about and highlighting old projects as opposed to the new ones. Like looking at projects that we know have the funds, have the capability, and frankly have had the time to build out a game and do it the right way. We know that they have the engine. We know that they've had the time and they have the resources. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, I think that this, we, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording here, just because I'm genuinely interested and super curious. I think it's a really strong play. Um, and I think that maybe that's something too that we can we can highlight and talk about here on this podcast a little bit more for all the listeners is talking about some of those other projects, talking about the projects that launched six months ago or five months ago, because we're kind of getting at that, that half year check point mark for a lot of projects and and talking about ones that are you know potentially making some waves and and moving forward in a a really positive direction um i think it's a a good thing to talk about but anyways to go full circle and talk about the gamification aspect of the space and how some of these projects can stand alone i'm super bullish i think that like i said i think on last week's episode the bridge between pfps and the metaverse potentially could be the gamification aspect of NFTs. Like that, that could be our segue to go from point A to point B. And if that's the case, it's going to be an important bridge. Yeah. And kind of like further that point within the specifics of game, right? Because we can say, hey, like gaming's going to do really, really good, right? But it, it, it's then breaking it down even further to, okay, what are the best games? What are the best platforms? What are the best models, et cetera, et cetera. So if you check out the Guild of Guardians white paper, they actually highlight that within the revenues per segment. So between PC, console games, and mobile, mobile games has 26% more than everyone else. Yeah, where PC is at 11 percent and consoles are at 11 percent. And this is about like the annual growth rates. So we know that mobile gaming is something that's becoming more and more popular. Obviously, ease of access costs are going down for mobile phones. When the iPhone first came out, holy shit, it costs a lot of money. And holy shit, it still costs a lot of money. But there's other additions. There's used ones. There's this and that where you can still get this stuff that's going to play like a huge part. And I remember back when we interviewed Derek for uh, the stream, I was like, do people really like play mobile games? Because it's something that I don't touch. Like apart from Pokemon Go, I don't play mobile games ever. But it's like, no, nah, like, it's one of the biggest things in the world. And people are going to clue into that, especially because of how easy just everything is. I'm like, shit, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ease of, ease of access is everything, and people are lazy, man. So, 
You know, it's just sometimes it's easier to get on a phone and play a game than it is get on a computer, right? <laughs> so yeah, it, it totally makes sense. Um, games are are the future in the space, and I think we're starting to see that. We're talking about you know all the copycats. We're talking about the OG games. We're talking about you know the new ones that are up and coming. And I, I'm sure that it'll be a hot topic on a lot of these podcasts moving forward. Vaughn, we we need to talk to somebody here, right? I, I think that this is going to be a really fun interview because. A lot of our team have talked internally about this specific project, and I can't wait to talk. The The fun thing that we have with this specific talk is if you happen to be a mutant or ape, you might want to get ready because you do have the opportunity to license it. We got Jenkins the valet. Yo, we got another banger today. It's Jenkins from Jenkins Yacht Valet. Jenkins... The writer's room, there's a lot of different ways that it can be known as, but Jenkins is something that's taken the BAYC ecosystem in a way, kind of by storm, and it's a very unique story because for anyone that doesn't know, way, way back in the day, Board Apes actually put out kind of like a bounty or something that people are able to kind of submit. Hey, we're wanting to, you know, create these real life events. We're wanting to do this. We're wanting to do that. And it was basically a grant to get started. Uh, and Jenkins the Valet was one of the ones that uh, was able to uh, win that. So Jenkins, give us a little bit of a background about how this entire story kind of came about what it was like way back in the day when board put out that announcement initially and you know now you guys are in the works to publish a huge series so i'm kind of curious where did it all start yeah totally and 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 thanks so much for having me on um it's funny by the way like jenkins is certainly known by many names jenkins valet aka jenkins yacht valet aka the writer's room like aka who knows like 10 more things so uh uh, there's a number of different ways you can find us. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, the um, uh, that initial community grant from from the Board Ape Yacht Club was really the beginning of everything. I uh, purchased Ape 1798 on the secondary, like a week or two after the BAYC primary sale. And almost instantly was like, wow, uh, Ape looks like a valet. Um, if you like, if you look at his outfit, I say this like all the time, if you look at his outfit, like this is who you expect to come get the door at your car when you pull up to a, to a hotel or a country club or something like that. And so very quickly, like it came to me that, um, that I had like a character on my hands. Um, so I got with my, you know, now my business partner, uh, who goes by Safa C8 follow ape, who's also been my best friend for 20 years. I was like, dude. Uh, I think I own Jenkins the valet, uh, you know, what should we do with it? And, um, we just started writing content as, as Jenkins the valet. I, I have a creative writing background and, um, uh, you know, thought it'd be fun. A lot of people at the time were using apes like as their own profile pictures and using, um, using apes like as uh, a symbol for who they were in their real life. Not many people are making characters out of the, out of the avatars that they minted. So we set up our own Twitter account for Jenkins, the valet. And I sat down and I wrote 500 words, introducing Jenkins to the community. He's the valet at the board Ape yacht club. He's not a member from the other side of the swamp. It's, it's, it's taken a lot of hard work to get this job as the valet at the yacht club. Um, and he's always practiced discretion. So he's earned the trust of so many important members of the Yacht Club. Um, 
And so by putting out that content, like a bunch of people, like people really liked it. Uh, I think the first story I ever wrote, we had about 30 followers on Twitter, but it did disproportionately well, did like, you know, tens of thousands of impressions. And we were like, okay, wow, this is really exciting. And so we put out a type form to request information from other apes and said, hey, you know, Jenkins has done all these odd jobs for members of the club. Tell us about your ape and remind me of what we've done together and I'll write a short story for you too. Um, and so we did, you know, uh, about a dozen of those. And at some point during that process, the community grant program was coming up for the BAYC. And so we applied for it, sent, you know, a pretty long email outlining who Jenkins was, what Jenkins does. Um, and that, you know, if we were to win the program, uh, we would invest some money in, in sort of fleshing out what, uh, you know, what Jenkins was and what this storytelling project was. And so, uh, frankly, you know, when I think back on it, it was probably the validity that the BAYC funded Jenkins mattered more than the money. I think we won $2,000 in ETH. Um, but that $2,000, you know, went a long way too to building out, uh, you know, part of the website that ended up being, you know, part of our project and, and you know, funding a lot of other things too. And so um, we realized, I think, when the stories were doing really well on Twitter that we had an opportunity to, to, to take a shot and try to do something more scalable with crowdsourced storytelling. And that's what we're doing in the writer's room today. Going way back. Going way, way back. You guys have so much going for you. And I think there was an insane amount of hype just because within Bored Apes, they were like, okay, well, what else is there? Because there's all these community things going on. And looking at your drop, I remember it clear as day because I'm like, yeah. I'm buying a whole bunch of these. I bought 10 of the NFTs and I ended up with all tickets besides one key. And I'm like, okay. son of a gun, my yeah. luck. However, at the time, I was still kind of confused about how it all worked. And then upon like doing a bit more like kind of further research and really kind of wrap my head around it, I'm like, oh, OK, so this yacht thing. OK, this yacht <laughs> component is really what we want. So you guys have four different NFT tiers, the ticket, the keys, the stand and the yacht. Can you give right. us like a quick little run through about kind of the benefits for each of them uh, and how that works? Because the one thing that I am still somewhat confused about is with the yacht um sure. you'll get into it here in a second but that's kind of like a guarantee that you were going to be able to get your nft or your ape within uh the story however i know there's a a significant amount of yachts among some of this other stuff and there's options so i'm like wait hold uh, on yeah. are there 60 different characters but just kind of run us through all the different tiers and then how the access kind of works Totally. And by the way, we could not be recording this at a better time because um, next week, the week of November 29th, which which I suppose is the week that that folks will start listening to this recording um, is uh, is the week that we're opening up our licensing portal. So so I'll get into all the details and this will actually be, uh, you know, me talking about it with you right now is the first time that I think I've gotten like I'll go to the level that I'm about to go into because because it will make sense to people when they when they when they when our members go to our our uh, you know our our web app and actually start going through the flow. So so this is quite exciting for me. Um, we uh, yes, there are four tiers to our NFTs, and I'll, I'll even just describe the premise of the writers room and what it is before I get into like for a bit of context before I get into uh, what each tier does. So the idea is that the writers room 
is uh, is a member only club. And if you have access to that club, which is holding one of our NFTs, there's a few things that you can do. You can vote on the creative direction of the content that we produce. Uh, we're writing our first book with 10-time New York Times bestseller, Neil Strauss. You can literally vote on proposals that will set the framework that Neil writes within. Um, if you have an approved avatar, and for the first book, the avatars that we're licensing are bored apes and mutant apes. If you have an ape or a mutant, you can license that avatar back to us, to the story, to appear in it in different ways. Um, and I'll get into that because the tiers impact that. Uh, and that licensing is actually for a profit share. So 50% of net profit that we make from this work, and that could be from NFT sales on the primary, on the secondary, traditional publishing, if we sold film rights, like any of that, any income that gets that gets made for this project um, gets split 50-50, and 50% goes to the, to the people who license avatars to us. Um, and then there's a bunch of other perks. Everyone will get a free book NFT for free if you're a member of the writer's room. And, and that book NFT will be the beginning of our roadmap 2.0. There's going to be a burn hold mechanic for it. And we're going to get into some really exciting stuff. Um, I'm, I'm literally just off of a call with, with, uh, with, with one of our teams of lawyers about, you know, things that we can do with that burn hold mechanic that we're super pumped about. Uh, but, but back to like what the different tiers do. Um, if you have, so there's tickets, valet tickets, yacht keys, valet stands, and yachts. And as you go down that list, they get more rare. The tickets represent about 75% of, uh, of our NFTs. And so I guess you got a little unlucky, Schiller, that, that nine out of 10 were tickets because it should be, you know, seven and a half. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. funny how that all worked yeah. out. But, um, but, but tickets, actually, uh, there are a lot of people whose strategy, you know, they're betting on what we're going to do over time. And their strategy is literally just to buy tickets. Like we have a, we have, we have one member, uh, King Dragon, who's, who's a, he's a Jenkins whale. I think he's got like 150 Jenkins tickets. He might own like a couple keys, but he's a, he's like a ticket collector. Um, and tickets get you five votes every single proposal that that comes into the writer's room that that can be voted on that neil is going to write and you can license an avatar to appear in a special acknowledgments in our book um and so you're not really part of the story but 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 you give us the rights to include your avatar in an acknowledgments and we're gonna we're gonna have some like fun sort of creative stuff with the acknowledgments too so it's not just going to be like it's going to sort of fit into the story in a way um but it, but it's not like a main character um, if you have a yacht key, you get 10 votes on every creative proposal and you can license the avatar to appear on the inside back cover in a game of where's Jenkins. Um, if you have a valet stand, you get 50 votes. Uh, and I should say, so there's 70% is tickets, about 20% uh, or 25% are 4% are valet stands. So there's about 300 of them. And if you have a valet stand, you appear in an illustration in the book straight up. You're sort of like an extra. Uh, and then 1% are yachts. There's 69 yachts. And if you're a yacht, you are featured as a character in the book. And so, so the way to describe the way like the stands and the yachts work together, for example, is um, if you, Captain Zwingli is a yacht holder in, in our community. And so he, he, he wears an astronaut suit. Um, and so he's going to be a character in the book. And he's got his astronaut suit. There may be three or four other stand holders who have space apes. In that case, 
Anytime Captain Zwingli is in the story, and then there's an illustration of Captain Zwingli because he's in the story, he's probably going to have the other three space apes with him. So, so, so you can think about them like if, if you scale it to a movie, for example, those space apes would be like on his team, but they might not have like the same speaking role that he would have. Um, the, 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 are you with me so far? Cause I know it's like a bit nuanced. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm definitely with you. I, I mean, yeah. listen, there's, there's a lot of layers, by the way, it's great to have you on here talking to you about everything uh, that you've built. It's, it's truly amazing to witness and watch from the outside looking in. There's a lot of layers to the project, right? Like there's a lot of intricacies and I think that's why, because it's so complicated, you know, it's it's good to to simplify it and, and explain yeah. it as, as thoroughly as, as you have. Um, cool. So I, I really, yeah, I really appreciate you doing that for every listener and yeah. for, the, for the people that are trying to follow along at home, for sure. Yeah, we um, we're doing a lot to simplify it going forward. We think our roadmap 2.0 is going to be way simpler. Uh, the um, truth is that like we, you know, there are a lot of projects that exist out there and like no shade everybody has like a different risk tolerance but like sure. that that are that that seem like their securities there's there's and so so our licensing exists because we work with our legal team and our intention fully is to not have the writer's room nft be a security so the licensing component the writer's room nft is just is just access into our community and club and the license represents a clear give and take you, you you give us the commercial rights to use the avatar in this work in exchange for um for, for a share of net profit and 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 i think it's that like it's that abstraction that gets confusing to talk about but it's super important in this first book and then there's and then there's a bunch that we can do going forward to simplify it yeah um, yeah, yeah but no the I've, scope of oh sorry no you're good you're good um i was just was going to say even though the scope of of the role Depends on what tier you have, right? Ticket in the acknowledgement, key in the game of where's Jenkins, stand in the illustration, and yacht in the book. Um, each each licensing agreement pays out the same percentage. So to to represent it like numerically, the book does five million in net profit. Fifty uh, percent of that would be two and a half million. If there were three thousand total licenses signed, you'd have two and a half million net profit divided by 3,000 total licenses. Uh, and that would get you to uh, each license would pay out $833.33, right? So so it doesn't matter if you're a main character or a ticket holder. For, for book one, the way net profit is split is just like all licensing agreements are the same. So that part is simple, even if the rest of it is sort of complicated. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, Jenkins, I, my, my question for you, I know that you've you know, gone through a lot in the project and there's been a lot of, lot of ups and downs, I'm sure, just like any other project. What has been the largest challenge for you through the project itself? What, has there been any specific moment, any specific yeah. thing that, you know, that presented any challenge and, and um, definitely I'd, I'd be interested to hear about it. Totally. So, so on, on August 4th, on our mint night, uh, when we sold out, we told our community we were going to go find a New York Times bestseller to write our book. Um, and so the, the next morning we woke up and we immediately started compiling a list of just like all of the bestsellers and sort of the best living writers across all genres. Um, we spent a number of weeks 
reaching out to these authors directly or through their agents. Um, at the time, we weren't represented by CAA yet, so we're just doing it ourselves. And uh, nobody got it. And you had to go through so many steps to get a writer to understand what we were doing, right? First, you um, have to explain crypto or the blockchain. Then you explain an NFT. Then you explain Board Ape Yacht Club. And after you get through all of that, you can talk about Jenkins the Valet and what we're doing. And so we would get like one, two steps down the road and people would just cut us off. And they'd say, no, thanks. Sorry, not interested. Um, somebody said, uh, somebody said, you know, oh, this author gets a lot of inbounds, but it's never come from a cartoon ape. No, thanks. Like, like just, they just saw the avatar and they were like, not into it. Um, and you know, one thing that has, has, uh, viral among our community and has become a bit of a rallying cry was that one agent responded to us and said, uh, you know, they, they said the main author we were reaching out about was not interested. We followed up and we said, do you think there's anybody who you represent who would be in? And, and he said, I won't be giving this to any of my authors because they're doing what they do that makes us want to represent them in the first place. They're writing. And while what you're doing sounds interesting, we are book people. And that like really hurt because I looked at my partner and I was like, we're book people too. Like I, I like hail books. I write every day. Like we're, I'm a book person. But, but there was just this like stigma against what we were doing. And so we looked at each other at that point and we thought, you know, we're never going to find a writer. Um, and then we were, you know, we were really fortunate. Our, one of our advisors, G money, um, uh, knows Neil Strauss introduced us to Neil and Neil got it right away. And, and we've had some conversations with other like creatives since then where you start talking to them and it like clicks and they sort of are already interested in the space or they've been in other parts of crypto before. And, um, when that happens, it's like really incredible. I mean, the slog to try to find authors and to reach out to people and to get rejected, like it, 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 it's hard not to take it personally. So I would say that that was definitely the biggest challenge. And now actually in the next couple of weeks, we're dropping merch that says we are book people because, you know, because we are. And, and even though that agent, you know, thinks that they are and we aren't, <laughs> like, I think the definition of what it means to be a book person is really changing. I love that. I think that it's interesting that you guys are kind of, you know, fired up from that aspect. And it also, you know, like back to the point of everyone saying like we're early, like it's it's wild because anyone within the NFT space being like, hey, do you want to work for Jenkins the valet would be like, yep, shut up. I'm taking it 100 <laughs> percent. You have people out there really they're like not, yeah. not touching it at all, which I, I it's just it's kind of comical in a way, at least in terms of like perspective uh, from where everyone is within the space. Now, for you guys, you have the yachts. And I want to go back to this because I've debated getting a yacht a whole bunch. And I think it's priced out for me but like there has been kind of ebbs and flows with it how does it work when's like the final cutoff for being able to buy a yacht and getting featured in your first book yeah good question um so the cutoff to buy a yacht is sort of never uh because because there's going to be a ton of content that follows comes after the first book too and and yachts will always be featured as characters but um licensing is going to open up sometime around uh, Tuesday, November 30th. We'll keep the licensing window open for about a month. And so starting on November 30th, all the way, say, through the month of December, um, folks are going to start using their yachts, 
to trigger licensing agreements to license characters to our work and and matching them to the yacht tier, which says, hey, this character is is um is in the story. Uh, and so over the course of the month of December, as more yachts get paired with apes to create licensing agreements where the the avatar is featured as a main character, the supply of like available yachts for book one will go down. I would say if you're going to jump, if you're thinking about a yacht to have your character featured, um, December is really the month to act. And then after December, that'll all be locked. And um, and it has to be locked, right? Because we need to know the characters so that we can write the book. Uh, and then after that, the yacht, you know, is always relevant and 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 will be will matter a lot for future versions of content, but sort of no longer applies to a direct licensing agreement for book one. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like to kind of further that beyond just like book one, you've said that, you know, there's going to be other iterations of it. Are you just doing constantly bored apes? Oh, no, no. So um, we're starting with bored apes for two main reasons. First is that we want to pay homage to the BAYC because that's where Jenkins came from. That's where this whole thing started. I mean, so much of this like avatar mania of 2021 is because of BAYC. Uh, and so that's really important to us. Second thing is we know their commercial rights agreements really well. Um, they have said a number of times that their rights agreements are as broad as possible because they have no intention of ever trying to take the rights away from their holders. Um, and on top of that, you know, we have a we have a relationship with their founding team, having come up through the yacht club, having won the community grant, things like that. So we. Uh, We've had conversations with them to sort of flesh out what they mean and what their intentions are with their terms. In the future, our plan is to open it up to so many more avatar projects so that we can increase the set of, of participants who can, who can um, you know, be involved. And also because metaverse is like not just apes and mutants. There's so many more. And so we have, we have a ton of really fun ideas for you know, ways that Jenkins can visit other communities and we can use other communities, avatars in the work and, you know, our community can license them to us and stuff like that. So one thing that we often say about the writer's room tokens is that they're only ever going to be 6,942 of them. Right now, there's like a little bit less than 30,000 apes and mutants. But in future iterations of our content, there are going to be like hundreds of thousands of eligible avatars but still only 6,942 writers from tokens that get you in the room to participate. So cool. So, so, so cool. I, my, my next question is about the writer, about Neil. I, I want to give an opportunity for everybody that's listening to kind of get a peek under the hood. I know there was a little bit of controversy when it first was announced and everything else, but I, I really want kind of an opportunity for us to, to hear what it's been like working with him uh, sure. And all of the the entire, you know, kind of give us give us an overlook and an outlook on on how that's been working hand in hand with Neil this entire time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like before anything else, I um, could address, uh, you know, like some of the concerns that people had when we announced Neil. And I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Neil's most successful work is called The Game. It's a deep dive into the world of pickup artists. For sure. Um, and, and Neil, I think, is um, obviously didn't invent that world, but, but certainly brought it to light in the mainstream in a way that like um, 
uh, probably has un- like and and sorry, not probably like has had unintended consequences, right? Like that that is true. Um, uh, Neil is an investigative journalist. That's where he started his career. He wrote um, he wrote. Uh, cover stories for the Rolling Stone. He wrote about Kurt Cobain's suicide. He wrote about Madonna. He did that kind of thing. And um, I think that's what he was, you know, that's what he did with the game as well. And and, and since the game, he, he's also written a book called The Truth, which was about, um, you know, what he learned uh, uh, with monogamy and, and and things like that as well. And I think Neil has said to us that, that you know, if you get to the end of the game, what he learns was he, he thought that there were like all these, um, I think he set out thinking that like marriage was broken and he was looking for, you know, a better way or like tricks or something like that. And what he learned actually was that like, he was the one who was broken and, and, and that the, and that the moral of that story is, uh, is not about like how, how guys should like pick up girls, but is actually about, um, what he learned about himself through that journey. Uh, and, and so I think in talking to Neil and learning about that and also transparently like, um, Saf and I like talking to our partners, uh, who are both women and, and talking to other women in our lives and trying to unpack like how they felt about that work and, and, and what we could tell them about Neil as we got to know him. We, we ultimately decided that, um, even though that work, uh, was harmful to, to, um, people, that Neil is a great guy um, and that Neil, uh, we believe that he has changed since having written that. And also like that he, as you get to know Neil and as our community has gotten to know him, I think people have been really impressed and inspired and just like really um, feel that he's, you can tell that he's got this like really positive and welcoming energy when you talk to him. And so I just want to like start by saying that. Um, I, I mentioned he started his career as an investigative journalist, and I think what he's really done for the last decade or so is he's written, he's gone deep studying particular subjects, and he's either ghostwritten or co-written their memoirs. He's written uh, Kevin Hart, the Jonas Brothers, Marilyn Manson, um, and many more. Uh, and and we thought that that kind of person, like we believe that Neil is the greatest living memoirist and that that kind of person is perfect to tell the Jenkins tell-all because that's the Jenkins brand, right? As the valet at the Board Ape Yacht Club, he's come to know these secrets and now he's going to spill the beans. Uh, and that and that so when people sometimes ask Neil like, hey, uh, is it going to be weird for you to write fiction? You haven't written fiction before. Neil sometimes says, you know what? I'm I'm not writing fiction. I'm writing the Jenkins tell all same as I've written Kevin Hart and and others. And so we think that that's, you know, that's hilarious. And it's, it's awesome to see that kind of passion. Um, and we believe that he's just a phenomenal fit for the project. And we really stand by him as a person too. And what a phenomenal writer as far as accomplishments. He's, he's been the author of 10 New York times, bestselling books. I mean, that, Listen, authors like that don't just grow on trees. I, I think, totally. you know, my my follow up to you regarding him specifically would just be about the crypto space. I know you had alluded to it in prior conversation here with us, and, and obviously I've been holding on to it just because I'm I'm curious. What was his what was his level of involvement in the NFT space or in the crypto space? You said kind of finding somebody that was interested, finding right. somebody that that was definitely uh, curious about the space was, was a, a great fit for you guys. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about, you know, his past regarding the space and, and kind of some of his feelings about it. Totally. Totally. He, um, 
me back in 2015 was was writing on a on a crypto platform that whose name I don't remember, but um, I think the the idea on the platform was that instead of like likes and upvotes and things like that, you uh, if your writing was sort of well received, you received tokens. Um, so it was like an early attempt at 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 sort of crypto publishing. Um, and Neil was pretty deep and he's actually said that I think ended up taking sort of a lot of those tokens and then, um, swapping them for Bitcoin. And I think he says that it's like some of the most like profitable writing he's ever done. Just this, like these like small posts on this, on this site. Um, and, uh, so he, he's for a long time has been really, he's been looking for, ways that crypto may disrupt writing and publishing. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's something that when we created Jenkins was something that we set out to do as well, was to figure out how could we bring like writing and storytelling to the space. And I guess it turns out in our case, backed into it first with a character and then figured out how to like bring the voice of that character to life. Um, and Neil has, you know, been looking for ways to find his like, incredible talent for bringing voices to things to also, um, you know, you know, bring it to this space. And uh, it's just like a perfect match for that reason. I feel like there was something that was mentioned a while ago about burning tickets. Is that true? Um, there's not going to be any, we have no intention of, of having utility for burning writer's room NFTs. However, every single writer's room NFT, each token get a free, book nft right which is the final output of, of neil's work uh, for free with corresponding token ids That's we cool. will burning books will be a really important part of of our future roadmap and and something that like i i think i you know it's like a little nerdy but something i'm sort of into is like really want to design like uh like a fahrenheit 451 kind of sci-fi vibe because like you're literally burning books like for yes. for value um yeah and so 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 book burning will be really important and then obviously every nft gets a book and right now the cheapest entry into our nfts is our ticket so so uh it's not burning the ticket but it's burning sort of something that you get for free for holding one when you look let's say like five years down the line pretend you're not you how much do you think that jenkins the valet is going to impact how people perceive board api club Uh, that's a um, really interesting question, and I think I think a hard one to answer. Um, I five years down the line, um, fully expect to still be having these conversations with you as Jenkins the valet. Like Jenkins is Jenkins is a is a decades long project for us, and and something that we feel really really strongly about. And so, I guess all I can say is like Jenkins isn't going away. <laughs> And we're going to keep trying our best to keep doing as much for the community as we possibly can with Jenkins and with the writer's room. So I suppose like, um, you know, with what we have planned and with how relentless we plan to be to continue just trying to like give value to our community. Um, I can't say for sure what it would mean for like BAYC, but uh, it would be an honor, you know, for Jenkins to be considered like one of the reasons that 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 BAYC has been like, you know, has made a meaningful contribution to the space overall, for sure. 
No doubt. Hey, Jenkins, I'm curious to pick your brain. I want to about the space itself. We talk about the proverbial elevator. We talk about the proverbial building where we're, you know, on the first floor in the basement or just walking into the NFT space as a collective whole. If you were, if somebody was, was to ask you, where are we at in that building? Where would you say? Um, I think we're probably in the basement. Cena, um, I don't know what's below the basement, <laughs> like the cellar. I've seen, uh, I, so I've seen this graph recently and, and, and for what it's worth, I can't, I think it was legit, but, um, but, but who knows, right? So, sometimes like even something has like some important source and like, it still is just like photoshopped, but it was a curve of crypto adoption, uh, on the same graph as internet adoption. And it had, uh, basically, crypto adoption in 2021 is at the exact same point on the curve as internet adoption in like 97 or 98. And so um, it feels that way. And so, like, knowing how it feels and how many people like you talk to and they're just like, they've heard of it, but they think it's weird or they don't trust it, like, that feels like internet in, in, in the 90s, right? And so, um, I, I mean, we, I think we're insanely early. Um, I think we're, I think we're legitimately 20 years away from like, you know, the, the Ubers and the Airbnbs of, of, of crypto, they'll look, they'll look incredibly different, but like, you know, I think we're, I really think we're in like, you know, the dot-com phase of crypto. Um, and I guess I would say this, so because we're signed to CIA, people ask us all the time, if our goal is to take NFTs mainstream. And I think when people ask that question, they mean like, are we trying to go get our NFTs onto Netflix? It's certainly an interesting opportunity. But, but I believe that NFTs and this part of crypto, um, I think that the way that this, it's just a new form factor. It's a completely new form yep. factor that is like streaming or like podcasts, but it's different. And there's overlap in each of those places. But I think NFTs go mainstream when the mainstream comes to NFTs other than when we break out of NFTs and take it somewhere else. Like the whole point is that it's different. Like the decentralization is different. The community ownership is different. Like all of those things are so different that I think the way this ends up looking is, is that people come to us. And in that regard, if you think about the internet coming to us and where we are today, like I have to say we're in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or the seller, or or yeah. even below that. Um, last question that I have for you here is is about it's it's a fun one that we always ask all the guests that we've had on. Uh, if we're going on a rocket ship to the moon and you can only bring one NFT outside of your own, so so you can't bring yours and you can only bring mm-hmm. another one. I feel like. I know your answer to this question, and maybe we make it hard and just say nothing BAYC related. So let's do that. Let's do that. Nothing BAYC related. You can bring any other NFT outside of the Board API Club community. So let's, let's, yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Um, it's an important caveat that you just made because I was going to say my dog. Yeah, boy, who's yeah, my best yeah. friend, and I'd be devastated if anything ever happened to him. <laughs> I love um, it. I love but it. I, uh, okay, okay. Um, thinking of just all of all of the projects that I missed 
like all these things are coming into my head of things I wish I could bring, but I don't even own them. Um, no, it's going to sound maybe like a cop out. I think I would bring like one of my like ENS names. I, uh, I'm just so long on, on, obviously people still think, I mean, and they still call it like cryptocurrency, right? And so many people have this idea that crypto is just like a financial product, but, but I really don't think it is. I think it's like an internet protocol. So I love my ENS names because, uh, I think that that's the future of how we communicate with each other and how we interact and stuff like that. So I hope it's not like lame that I, that I take an ENS, but I think that that's probably my truthful answer. I actually love that answer. That that's a first too. That's a first. We've had I don't know. We're twenty plus episodes in. This is this is the first time that we've ever had it, and I I absolutely love it. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, Vaughn. Do you have anything that you want to follow up with here? No, I mean, like let let's go back to the night of NYC NFT NYC. I can't even think of the name. Gosh, okay. So we're we're sitting there. You got tacos. You got drinks. You're establishment that you picked is full to the freaking brim you guys do the ding ding in the glass get everybody's attention and announce neil can you walk us through kind of like the emotions that you were having throughout that whole thing i know you guys were sitting up there on the bar itself um but just kind of let us know from your perspective kind of like what that entire experience was like totally i mean i think um two main emotions or like feelings that I had was, was um, like excitement because it was so cool to see so many like our friends, right. In person, people who we interact with all day, every day online. The other thing would be gratitude. Just like, can't believe, like I couldn't believe it. And I still can't that like we're all together and how much the space has like changed my life and changed all of our lives over the last you know, 12 months or so. Um, and I'm just incredibly grateful to be like, you know, a part of it. It's, um, been really, really, really special. Awesome. I love it. And it was cool being there. I think, I think it was outstanding how every event in New York wasn't big enough for the different events. And that just makes the, uh, space extra bullish, at least in my point of view, but Jenkins again, and thank you for coming. (laughs) hell yeah dude i appreciate you taking the time for uh, this episode maybe we'll see you in new york next year too sure can't wait so cool to talk to him because we've talked so much internally about the project the different layers to it the different capacity to it like this is it's a very well thought out project and it's cool to see the extension of the board ape yacht club community right I mean, the fact that they are, you know, like he seems kind of like humble about the aspect of like, you know, as long as we're part of the BUAYC ecosystem or anything like, you know, it's a huge win. And I think that the amount of effort that they put into it way back in the day, it was a project that we seen the floor immediately dip. It, it was like an instant sellout, but then people had no idea what they were buying. So they just kind of fire sold it. And then, of course, like Snazzy and our team, she bought an absolute truckload of all those keys, tickets, yada, yada. And is sitting pretty with it because she saw the vision of it and had that conviction play with it. And I, I'm super excited to see the final product. Now, I'm still kind of like, hey, okay so if you're having like you know almost 100 apes or whatever in every book edition that's going to seem like a lot so i'm curious to see how they kind of like integrate it for it to feel kind of like super normal and not overcrowded and maybe i'm just overthinking it but the final product is definitely something i want to get my hands on for sure 
Absolutely. It's it's very, very interesting. And I think the fact that they were able to bring in as talented of an author as they did is, uh, yeah, it's it's gigantic for the entire project. So it was awesome. Talk, love talking to him and, and just picking his brain about so many different things, a multitude of different things. Vaughn, I think that does it. I think that wraps us up for episode 24. We got number 25 coming up. It's going to be a good one, too. Guys, also, uh, you're going to be able to see some some different things, some different happenings. Uh, We're going to be talking, I'm sure, making some announcements, even potentially by the time that you are listening to this episode regarding the Shots of the Moon NFT. Um, Let's just say there's there's some pretty cool stuff planned for for the future here, Vaughn. I'm excited. It'll be good. And uh, we'll try to show leaks for you guys soon as well. We know we know that we're waiting for the Roscoe piece is just kind of like an update for that. If you are following along with the project at all, we've just had some issues on uh, being able to get out our uh, planet drop that was supposed to happen. And then we're adding kind of like an interesting twist within the Roscoe pieces. So we just want to make sure that's all figured out before kind of announcing all the details for you. Oh, interesting twist. Spicy, spicy, spicy. Well, that's it. Hey, you know, Vaughn, it's been a while since we did this. I think that next week's episode, episode number 25, I think it's going to be a triple double banger. Let's go, baby. Guys, it was fun. As always, thank you for the love. Thank you for the support. And feel free. Reach out. Hang out with us in the Shots of the Moon Discord. We're going to be doing a Sean talk and a Vaughn talk every single week. Uh, so you guys are going to be able to talk with me with sports NFTs and sports influencers. We've talked to Eric Rosenthal. We brought in an MLB player. We brought in a couple of different people that have their own project. And you'll be able to talk with Vaughn on the Vaughn Talks about just different investment opportunities and people in the crypto space, investing space, and be able to pick his brain and hang out with him. Guys, come hang out. Take advantage of it. If you're a Space Pass holder, it's a free resource for you guys uh, in the meantime, while we, we we get prepared for a lot of different exciting stuff that we're going to be sharing with you guys here shortly. As always, my name is Sean Pfeiffer. Good night, good skill, and most importantly, God bless. Did you enjoy today's show? Leave us a review for a chance to win a free NFT next week. Join us every Wednesday and make sure you're following us on all of our social media accounts at Shot to the Moon. More huge names in the space, more celebrities, more athletes, more giveaways, and more surprises coming soon. Everything you've listened to in this podcast is an opinion and not financial advice. Please invest responsibly. 